Welcome to the Sharon Cliff Podcast. I'm a business coach, a mentor, a wife, mama four, lover of wine, and a consumer of dark chocolate. On the Sharon Cliff Podcast, a real talk, no fluff podcast, myself and my incredible guests answer the hard questions with practical advice and fun. Sharing stories, tips, and the how-to, we explore mindfulness, marketing, building wealth, self-care, and all things business. A podcast to inspire you to take action so you can create a life and a business that you love without the burnout. To find out more about me, head to SharonCliff.com.au. Turn up the volume. Let's do this. Today's guest on the Sharon Cliff podcast is Jessica Nadenda. She's an award-winning business owner, public speaker, and women in business activist, leaving her reputable corporate career in learning and development and sales to build Olive Louise Social in 2015. She has successfully built one of Brisbane's most recognized boutique marketing agencies, leading a team of seven hardworking mothers whilst raising her own tribe of four children. She's passionate about educating women to recognize they really can have it all if they're intentional about changing their thinking and learning practical tools to help them succeed through her second business, The Bell Evolution. Jessie's known for working the hardest, laughing the loudest, and dreaming the biggest, all while rocking her weird and wonderful frocks. Turn up the volume and let's meet Jess. Jess, welcome to the Sharon Cliff Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and all your nuggets of gold. Tell us a little about, um, you know, who you are and what you do. Thank you for having me. I haven't been on the potty in ages and I'm so excited to be here. I am Jess Ndenda. I own a digital agency here in Brisbane called Olive Louise Social, which is proudly a team of seven working women, um, six of which are mothers and number seven will either be a great mother one day or never because we've provided a fair amount of contraception. And I also own a business called The Bell Evolution, which is supporting female entrepreneurs. So on top of all that, I am a mum of four crazy, fuzzy-haired little people and a wife and a lover of cheese and frocks. Awesome. And we're going to throw it back to your childhood, Jess. When you were growing up, what what did you want to be when um, when you, when you actually grew up? This is hilarious because I actually had the biggest epiphany around this the other day. I went through so many stages. Initially, I wanted to work at KFC because KFC was like the greatest thing in the world, but I outgrew that pretty quickly. And I actually studied speech and drama for a really long time and excelled at it, really loved it. Musical theatre, the cornier, the better, as well as some really serious and deep roles. And I actually got a scholarship to attend um, university and do like an advanced performance education scholarship. And while I was there, I also dabbled in teaching, thinking that was an option. But then, you know, it really sucked the fun out of it for me. So I moved into, by accident, sales and through sales, studied consumer psychology and learning and development and then ended up, you know, flying all over the world doing um, workshops and developing systems and procedures um, to then owning Olively Social um, as a marketing agency and then now Bell Evolution and something I'm really passionate about. And I think in my head, this is really hard to say because I feel like it sounds really self-indulgent. So please know I'm not self-indulgent. I think I always want to be well-known and I think I always want to be famous in my head. I, that's where the acting come from. And it dawned on me yesterday, I actually can't think of anything worse than being famous. I really don't like that culture or that idea, but all everything that I've done has in common is the ability to impact 
people, whether it's as a teacher, as a performer, it's that look on someone's face where you've impacted their thinking or planted that seed. Um, and now in both Olive Lee Social and Bell, I'm addicted to that. It's what I absolutely thrive on knowing that my words or my actions have changed somebody's thinking or, or implemented a result. So yeah, definitely no longer wanting to be a famous actress or work at KFC or be a teacher. But I think everything that's had in common for me is impact. I just love impacting people. Even if I find a product or a brand, I feel it's my life's mission to tell other people about this thing that's going to impact them. Um, So, yeah, that was a really big epiphany. So great question. So funny that you asked that today. And that is the best answer I've had so far on the podcast. Um, that, that's just Yay. awesome. And it was funny because whilst you were telling the story, the main word that came to me was impact. And then, you know, you said mm-hmm. it and, and, um, and I really think it does show through when everything you do is that, you, you know, you do have an impact. So thanks for sharing your story. Jess, one of the things that I wanted you to talk about today because, you know, an expert in your field and, as you said, with every part of your, your business and your life and, you know, when you're coming to market products, et cetera, impact is a big, is a big part of your business. So what I wanted to, to ask you you know, in 2021, obviously 2020 was a big year. There was a lot of changes. Um, a lot of people pivoted their business. They went into new markets. They went into new customer bases. They might have changed their products to, to move mm-hmm. online, um, diversified or, you know, totally changed careers altogether. And so for 2021, um, obviously we're sort of moving into new territory. We've got a lot of hangover from 2020. And what are the biggest challenges that you see marking in 2021? Wow, that is a loaded question. Look, there is so much moving and shaking happening and both from, I guess, a logistical, is logistical a word? It is now. Both from a a logistic level, the things that we are able to do, um, new platforms, new changes that I'll touch on in a moment. But I think the most important thing that people need to identify is the way that the consumer has changed. And the consumer has changed more so in the last 12 months than we've ever seen, you know, even with the launch of the digital area. The consumer is more conscious about who they're buying from and where they're buying from, wanting to support local and brands with a story. And there's been a lot of, I guess, heartbreaking stories that have made the consumer feel that way. But more than ever in our history, people are wanting the story of the people and the person behind the brand, knowing that our world is hurting and that there are those middle guys, those those business owners that don't have, you know, a net worth of 50 million that are hurting the most. They also, I think, had a rough relationship through COVID. A lot of people in their attempts to pivot were focused on the logistics of their business and their needs and not their clients' wants and their clients' needs. So you, in that process, when things were going into lockdown, and you know, I'll speak specifically to, to Queensland at this point, but the world followed a similar trend. You know, in terms of Queensland, we got out of it pretty unscathed. It was a short lockdown, but at the time we didn't know that. It was the most dramatic and hard thing that so many people had to deal with, whether you are a five-year-old girl or a 85-year-old woman, it was terrifying. And everybody processed that differently. And so we saw a lot of business owners do things like, oh, I need to pivot. I know I'm going to do, you know, an online sale for swimsuit. No, in that moment, there is absolutely nothing you can tell me when I can't travel in the middle of flopping winter to make me buy a swimsuit. And in doing that, you've grossly affected the trust relationship that we have. And I saw so many businesses hurt themselves so severely. Instead, what that person should have done is, you know what, you can't travel, you don't need a swimsuit, but what we're going to do is take you on a virtual holiday every day so that, you know, when you can travel, 
you've got all these plans, come with us. And then the second that you can buy a swimsuit, guess who you're going to buy from? But we didn't see enough of that behavior. We saw business owners panic and pivot, focused on the needs of their business, how they can make money quick. Same with a lot of the virtual renovations and virtual home tours. Like in that moment, people don't want to do that. that. That was not what your client wanted from you. But what we did see is the people who stopped and listened to their customer build relationships of trust and loyalty unlike any other. And they're the businesses absolutely booming through COVID. So there's been a real segregation. And so I think the first thing you need to do is go, how did your COVID plan unfold? And what is your current relationship with your client? And have a look at what your client is thinking and feeling and understanding. It's such a cliche marketing thing to say, go back and understand your client. Uh, But it's true. But what I'm saying is it's not about, you know, this is Lizzie, she's 55. On the weekend, she watched Netflix. How do they feel? What have they been through? How much money are in their bank? What's important to them right now? What are they? What else are they seeing in their feed? Because all of these things help you develop that trust and that story. And trust has always been important. We know that people buy from a combination of trust and value. People will buy on value alone. If it's $5, what have I got to lose? But people, if you can get that uh, purchase through trust and value, you'll get more money, return buyers, all of those good things. So now more than ever, COVID has really seen people needing to trust the brands that they're doing business with. So that would be from a consumer perspective, just understand that. Um, And secondly, understand that the digital age is here better than ever before. People want to buy online more than they ever have before. It is such an exciting time to look at ways that you can scale, look at ways that you can build trust and implement new products because a lot of the fears and overwhelm of having to purchase things online, especially in older generations, has gone. COVID has really pushed us forward in leaps and bounds there. The key things there that you spoke about is, you know, really stopping and listening to, to your customer base, making it all build around story. So, you know, telling stories rather than just trying to sell and just that trust factor. And I think, you know, the, the key things you mentioned there and, and again, you know, those those organisations and, and brands that, that did that are thriving. So the other side of this is what's actually happening logistically, digitally, and there is so much happening. There is a current legislation battle with Google. That means Australia's searchability is going to be affected if it goes through. So that's something you really need to be keeping your finger on the pulse with. And Facebook and Apple are also at complete war with each other, which is a nightmare. If any marketers are out there listening, we are all living on caffeine and wine at the moment. It's a pretty stressful time. But look, there's a few things that you need to know. I think the people who should be stressed are the people who, in my blunt but painfully honest opinion, deserve to be stressed because you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Facebook ads are, and when I say Facebook ads, I mean social media ads, Instagram's owned by Facebook, um, are the most powerful form of marketing that we've ever seen. And they are capable of driving a vast amount of traffic and your ideal target market to your business, but they should never be a single-handed approach. If you are throwing your business's success and growth into Facebook ads and then wiping your hands clean, you're going to be slaughtered and you kind of deserve to be because that's a really lazy marketing approach. It's a six-step approach in, in my opinion. So that that's a scary thing. So the first thing is you need to look at a cohesive strategy. The second thing that I think you really need to be aware of is when we take emotion and panic out of it and look at it logistically, Apple are taking away the ability to track behavior is what the big thing is about. Um, So Facebook and marketers use that behavior to build audiences and retarget and a plethora of other things. And for whatever reason, Apple said, no, we don't want to let you do that anymore. And are offering like a notification, like a manual opt-in for people, which we know they're going to say no, who wouldn't? So 
when we take the emotion and the panic out of it and we think, well, why are we doing that? Well, Facebook have been able to monetize this data massively. So it doesn't make sense for Apple just to take it away because he doesn't like Mr. Zuckerberg. Bet my bottom dollar, they will find a way to monetize it and they'll be advertising in some way, shape or form in that space. Also, Mr. Zuckerberg owns pretty much everything that we use on a daily basis. He is already coming up with new ways to, you know, complement what is happening here. There will be new platforms. There will be new things. We have seen this happen time and time and time and time again, and things change and evolve. And the people who get stuck and panicking, I guess, trying to flog a dead horse are the people who get left behind. It's the people who look at it with a bit of common sense, knowing that this is the biggest money-making industry of our decade. There will always be an effective way to reach people digitally. If you are focused on understanding what's happening and what what's coming and effective and engaging ways of talking to your audience and understanding where they are and what they want to hear from you, you will always have in a way of effectively marketing your business. And what's exciting about these times, and if I could be arrogant enough to say, this is what Olive Lee Social are built on. If you figure it out first, you win right? Like we, the only reason I have a business today is we figured out pixels before most. It was scary. It was overwhelming. Everyone was panicking. We thought, okay, we're just going to figure this out. And we, we didn't know what exactly what we were doing, but we jumped on that bandwagon when Facebook advertising was taking off and we became well-known in our space for doing so. So my biggest tip would be know that shit's about to go down, if I can say that, in a massive way, bigger than we've ever seen it. You need to create a comprehensive strategy. I'm talking email. I'm talking organic. I'm talking utilized content like blogs and podcasts, not have a CRM um, database that is bulletproof. Email data is the way forward for building audiences. Look at implementing a Google campaign. If you are the type of business that needs direct leads when they're looking for it, stay alert with platforms like Clubhouse and other things that we see popping up. Pinterest is also becoming a force to be reckoned with. So just keep your ear to the ground and instead of panicking, just try new things, try new things, try new things. Always focused on who your people are and where to find them. I'm going to breathe now. Sorry, Sharon, that was probably a bit more than you bargained for. I did hear a little rumour uh, over the weekend that Facebook were looking at possibly partnering with Google to get their data. Google advertising is capped because they've only got five places to sell on every listing and it becomes ineffective because people with the most money win. So the little guys have just stopped playing. So they've been looking for a way for a really long time to make more money. Uh, Facebook need a way to not have to use Apple's data. So them getting into bed with Google makes a lot of flopping sense. So I've called that from day one and I will do the biggest told you so dance if they do. But it, it's very exciting times because that would just be a game changer, an absolute game changer. Yeah. And as you said, you know, these are all big players. They make a hell of a lot of money out of all, all of their ads. So they're, they're going to come up with a different way to do it. You know, even though it might not look the same moving forward, there will be some kind of advertising platform that, that you can jump onto okay. in the future. And competition is good. Like we all live at the mercy of Mr. Zuckerberg at the moment. And even though it's a powerful platform, gosh, it's a hot mess most of the time. You know, <laughs> the functionality of it and, you know, some of the the fact that they can get away with saying, oh, that was weird, that just happened. We don't know why. We're not going to help you all figure that out. No, it's not okay. So I really hope that they get some competition because it yeah. will make them pull them, their socks up even more so. 
Yep, absolutely. And we all need to be kept accountable. You know, as, as female entrepreneurs and just, you know, entrepreneurs in general, where we're often wearing a lot of different hats, you know, where we're the CEO, we're the CFO, you know, we're the marketing person, where we're HR, you know, we're, we're lots of things. And we're generally, we're also trying to run a, run a family and run a home as well. We've just got so many things to do. And sometimes we get a bit overwhelmed. And sometimes when we, we, we might only be the, the only person in our team, or we might only have a small team. And when is the right time to know when to outsource your marketing? You know, generally we, you know, when we're talking about building teams, we say, you know, employ that person before you need to. So is it the same when it comes to marketing? Should you be outsourcing marketing before you get to the stage where, where you need to? Yeah, I mean, that that's a really difficult question because I, I would say each business is slightly different. But what we do know is this, that people shouldn't think of marketing as hiring an agency. And I think in understanding where is the right point for you, There is nothing that we do that you could not learn yourself, but I would liken it to accounting. You could learn it yourself. It would probably take you four times as long. You would get it wrong and potentially lose a little bit of money. And it's a painful, painful process. So I think that approach it with the same mentality as that. Is my time worth me doing this or can I make more money in my business dedicating it to somewhere else. And so that would be my first step is that know that you could do it and that is better than nothing. But as your business grows, your marketing plan should grow. And I think that this is where people get burnt and we hear it all the time by marketers. It's not that every marketer is bad, although there's a lot of dodgy ones out there, I'm just saying. It's not that all marketers are bad. It's that there's a misalignment with what they do and what you need. And so really understanding what kind of marketing support you need for where you're at with your business. So for example, us at Olive Way Social, we wouldn't take on a startup. We are a really expensive way to learn that your product's not right. There's somebody else in the market offering it cheaper or faster, that people just don't want your stuff that your branding isn't responding, we will take on somebody that has a proven business model. So I don't have to be making a lot of money, but making some money in their business that are looking to scale, introduce new products, reach new people, et cetera. We are, I would say, the middle guy. And the aim is you'll outgrow us one day, but you need to then go look at getting chatbots made because you can't handle all of your inquiries or you know, huge automation processes, or you no longer need direct leads coming through your business. Your brand awareness is so strong. It's a different, it's a different type of marketing. So I would encourage everybody to think of it in three stages. And and the first stage is learn, learn yourself, just like your accounting, even though it might not be realistic for you to do it. You need to know what they're doing, otherwise you will get bit in the bum. So you need to understand what needs to be done in your business and roughly what that process looks like and start off with your freelancers, your contractors, your um, you know memberships and support groups out there, your free resources. So people who are going to assist you in doing the bulk of the work. So that's step one. Step two for me is then move to an agency like us, what we call an implementation, where we take those foundations, really build it into the strategy that's going to push you forward, set some really realistic goals around ROI and how much money your marketing plan should be bringing in and, you know, quite fearlessly and aggressively chase that. That should get to a point where it's then scalable. So you're spending more money, getting more people, and then you'll you'll stop at a certain point. You'll go, okay, well, this doesn't work anymore. I need to think bigger. I need to think, you know, partnerships with with big brands or, you know, PR stunts and automation and all of that. And you'll outgrow us and you need a you need a big guy then. You need a different agency. So I think a lot of the stories that I hear about when to outsource and how to outsource going wrong is you need to have that really, really honest conversation with whoever you're looking at hiring, going, what sort of businesses do you use? specialize in. If they say everybody, they're dodgy and are lying to you. 
because yep. no yep. marketer in the world can actually build a strategy for every business that ever existed. They should specialize in startups or service-based businesses or businesses like us wanting to scale who are making money but need to go next level or are you know, substantially making money, but need to build profitability and need to go international or need, you know, whatever that looks like. So a really raw, honest conversation about that, I think is a vital step. And then ask them to provide evidence, like show me what you're doing. Oh, the last thing that I'll say on this that I see so, so, so often in so many businesses is business owners creating, 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 creating all these products, creating all of this stuff, you know, making sure my design is right or my website's right or all of this. And I've got to have all my ducks in a row before I start marketing and I'm spending all this money, getting all of my things, you know, ready to sell. But I would say, sell to who? You are opening a shop in the middle of the desert. Your business, any business is absolutely nothing without customers. So you can have all of the perfect ducks in a row. And I'm going to steal um, some words of, of a lady I just heard speak called Kate Carnell. She said, if you wait for all your ducks to be in a row, they're going to fly away but they prioritize the fear. And often when you dig deep enough, it's people that have fear of showing not just the world, but their social circle normally on, on social media or whatever it might be, this this business that isn't perfect. And I know I'm going through that at Bell. I want to reach out for sponsors and stuff, but my website's not perfect, so I can't do it. I've got to wait till it's perfect. I don't want people to think I'm a nugget. And that is a really big mistake because no matter what your business is, if you don't have customers, you, you're never going to get enough revenue to go to the next level to create that product. So they get stuck in the this cycle of creating products, but there's no customers. So when we look at the chain of events that need to happen in your business marketing, it should be pretty high up there because you can have all the products in the world, but it's like opening a shop in the middle of the desert. Who is coming to buy your stuff? If you don't have that, it's going to fall over really quickly and you're going to burn out and run out of money before you get your first customer. So I would say it's the higher end of the priority list, even if it doesn't mean you can outsource it to a full agency. Stop creating all the products and all the things and start communicating with your customers because that journey of getting them to buy can be a really long one. That's the key. You know, we're, we're so busy going, oh, my website's not ready yet, so I can't launch it. There's business out, businesses out there that are multi-million dollar businesses and they didn't even start with the website or they've, you know, just introduced a website. And, and the other thing is too, like people think that marketing is just, you know, posting some stuff on Facebook and Instagram. There's so much more to marketing than just that. And, and that's another reason why it's great to go and have a conversation with either a freelancer or, or an agency and just start to, to talk to them about, you know, what marketing is and get that understanding about the strategy behind it and, and the different mediums that you can use. So, you know, as you said, when you're bringing on an agency or a freelancer, is the same with an accountant. You don't need to know the ins and outs of accounting and all the laws that are out there. You just need to know enough to be able to run your business and know that the person you're engaging is actually doing the right thing by your brand. Just to add my data laundry and prove your point. So Olive Lee Social, a digital marketing agency, was three years old before we got a website. I hate saying that out loud now. To my defense, the world was very different back then and we wanted to prove you could build a business just on social media uh, before we put our big girl pants and got a website. But for those at home and in, myself included going, oh, my website's not perfect. We are a flopping marketing agency who did not have a website for their first three years. So we had four staff before a website. When I did consulting for probably the first three years, I didn't have a website. I didn't have any social media. And then I think people were like, oh, I haven't been able to find you on Facebook. And then I think I did a post once a month. So for the first you know, four years of my business, I didn't have a presence either. But I was out there doing consulting and coaching clients on, you know, marketing strategies and all that sort of stuff. And 
I wasn't doing it myself either. You know, it, it goes to show that you don't need to do that to, to build a business and, and to, to have clients and be able to make money and, and bring money in. You know, and you don't want to put all your, your focus on social media anyway. You know, you do need to have an email list, etc. So I think we sort of covered off the pros and cons. Is there any other? My biggest take home and look again, just to walk straight down the cliche marketing thing. But for me, the crooks is just understanding your customer and what they want from you above anything else, because there is something really organic about you as a business owner and how you think about an approach, not just marketing, but your entire business, when you really understand that person. And so when we look at where to start and who should I be talking to, when you're so certain, you know, if I can use my business, for example, my customer is somebody working full-time in their business and has done a pretty good job with, you know, freelancers and or doing it themselves, but need to scale to build themselves out of their business or to take on another country, another product, et cetera. That's my person. So when I'm writing content, I know exactly what's relevant to her. When I'm thinking about marketing, I know she's busy as heck. She doesn't want me in her email inbox. She doesn't want me sending her big blog posts about what a lookalike audience is. She doesn't care. She wants someone to do that for her. She only wants to know how it's going to affect her business, what she needs to do and what it's capable of so she can make informed decisions. So there's something really organic about your understanding of who you should work with, what marketing endeavors you should do, whether you're a marketer or not, it is really just about having that understanding. And so if you leave a conversation like this going, oh my God, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's emails, there's relationships, there's influencers, this is so overwhelming. What do I do? Just go and sit down and go, who is your person? What's important to them? Just sit with it. Sounds very woo-woo, but trust me, sit with it. And you'll know straight away, hey, if I was this person, I would want to see a Facebook ad that said this. I would want to, you know, be introduced through this. They're hanging out at these sorts of places and it'll really direct your path. So don't feel overwhelmed if you don't have a strategy or can't afford a strategist right now. You just need to know who your people are. That would probably be one of my biggest, biggest takeaways. Just especially this year, revisit that if you've done it before because your consumer has changed. Yep. And give them a name. Make it personal. Mine's called Bernadette if anyone's playing at home. Mine's called Katie. Trying to find a good marketing freelancer or agency is quite painful. You know, they do have a a bit of a reputation like used car salesmen and, you know, it is really hard to, to find a good quality one. What are your tips on how to find either a good freelancer or an agency to work with? Look, I think talk to as many people as you can. It's kind of like finding a good gynecologist. You'll get a good fit if it's if it's somebody you want looking at your hoo-ha. It, you'll get a good fit if it's somebody that you want to hand your business over to. And I would and I I compare them on purpose because they're equally as personal. This is your business, your voice, your audience. If you don't get a fit that you are working with your potential soulmate, it's never going to work. And I know that that's a very, some would call it female way of looking at things. Don't get me started on that. But it's true. You are a team and you need to have not just a, a feeling that they're capable, but a feeling that they understand you and your business and that they care about you and your business as much as you do. So a little bit of gut would be my first step. My second would be ask them to tell you a little bit about who they think your audience are and, and what how they would reach them, what they would recommend. A big mistake I see people are starting conversation by telling a marketer what they want, which is, you may have that in your head, but I would suggest stay quiet and let your marketer tell you what they suggest. And again, that's really going to help you align with, mm, that doesn't feel right for Bernadette. 
she doesn't hang out there. They're just giving me their cookie cutter approach that they use on everyone. They haven't actually thought about my business. The next thing would be ask them what kind of businesses they work with and ask them for evidence. If their customers, and look, this is a bit of a gray one. I'm going to piss people off in my industry. I personally choose not to put a lot of case studies on my website because I just feel that my working relationship with my clients is up to them if they want to share. However, if somebody was to ask me for examples or a client talk to, I have over a dozen. And if a marketer doesn't have that, if they're not willing to share accounts that they work with and the client is okay with them doing so, there's some skeletons in that closet. But the last one would be asked to see examples of content. We have it, you know, any marketer doing any sort of work has a Dropbox of 90,000 folders. It is not an arduous task for them to share, but content is king. As much as I've talked to you about customer mapping, um, you know, algorithms, platforms, at the end of the day, you've got to show people stuff that makes them want to buy your stuff, whatever it is. And that is not a simple thing. Understanding consumer psychology, understanding how to create branding and digital platforms, understanding how to engage in overcrowded markets, it's a difficult thing. So you want to just be sure their content style fits with your content style. I mean, as seven working mothers, we cover a lot of industries, a lot of industries. But in my content team, I actually have a bit of a tomboy. She's really ochre. Name's Mickey G, if she's listening. Uh, She's young. She loves camping. She loves trading. She loves all of these sort of, um, I guess, a little bit more stereotypically male. She thinks they're so exciting. Whereas the rest of us doing their content is like potato peeling their eyeballs. (laughs) I have Sonia, who is a dance teacher. She's young. She's fun. She's fashionable. So if we're talking food, fashion, travel, homewares, she's all over it. And then I have Kate. She's a mom of three. She's been a business owner herself. So when we look at, um, you know, tutoring companies, education, kids' resources, things that I guess are more education-based, business coaches, that's her gen. And one person could not successfully replicate all those industries because no matter, there is a technicality in how we create content. There's, you know, rules, I guess, for marketing, but there's also personality and flair and style. And so if you're looking at a smaller agency that don't have the ability to rotate different content pieces, you just want to make sure their style connects. So ask to see their content and, and really spend your time looking into that. My last pet peeve, again, every market is going to end up on my front lawn with a pitchfork, but if they ask you to put down a big chunk of money before they've done anything, that's a red flag for me because there's nothing we need to pay for. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't pay Facebook in advance. Sure, we have wages and we may be using contractors for graphics or whatever, but that kind of all happens as we go. So what is it that you're unconfident about what you're going to achieve for me that I need to give you $10,000? Because that comes from the day and age where people work, you know, people would work for three months and not be happy with it and leave without paying. That's where that mentality comes from. We've never taken money in advance above two weeks. So I think that that shows you can really back yourself, but it is something everyone does in our industry. So I'm going to piss off a lot of people, but I would just say, ask that question, what am I locked into? How am I going to know? And don't be afraid if that relationship is not working out to to end it. It's not about they're a bad person, they didn't do the right thing or, you know, vice versa from a marketing thing. Some people just aren't the right fit and you just, you need to have somebody who's the right fit. Great advice there. Marketing obviously covers so many different things. What are your three top tips? So number one, I've ranted about the whole time, customer, know your customer, know them inside out, know how they feel, know what they're seeing in their feed, all of those things. 
Number two, content. Content is king. Invest in it, play with it, understand it. It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be done on an iPhone, but it's got to be good if you want people to buy your stuff. Number three is prioritize it. There is nothing more important than driving customers to your business, no matter what stage it's at. Even if you have customers already, market for the day, you don't need it anymore. It will never be wasted money. It needs to be a priority, whatever that looks like in your budget and your space. And my fourth tip would be at the moment, keep your flopping ear to the ground. There are going to be things that change. There's going to be big things. We have not seen changes like this since all of this digital marketing through social media was born. And if you can be on the forefront of that, the opportunity to grow your business is massive. So that your finger needs to be on the pulse unlike any before if you don't have somebody doing that for you. With a lot of female entrepreneurs, their money's probably tight. But how can they keep up with what's happening? Look, there's two resources that I, I would recommend. The first one is there's a lot of digital marketers out there saying a lot of stuff and making a lot of assumptions, but we don't know is the answer. And marketing, I think a lot of people, and even before you mentioned I'm an expert in my field, I'm actually not. I know no more than the next person in the digital space because you can't. You do, you cannot predict what's going to happen like you could when you're making billboards and TV and radio. But what you are good at is watching the data and watching performance. So it's more about watching what you're already doing and the results that it's having than it is guessing what's coming next. But there are a lot of great memberships out there. There is a lot of smaller agencies or freelancers creating Facebook groups or um, you know client portals or email lists that um, keep their finger on the pulse for you. So find some. If you need some direction, I know Sharon and I connected with a few. So slip into her DMs on Insta and we can point you in the right, right direction. So that would be the first one. Yes, sign up to social media today is a great one. Ladder, do another good one. There's another one called Social Media Examiner. But I would also say take it with a grain of salt. And they're often in America, which work to different rollout timeframes in Australia. So do be aware of that. But the third place is Facebook actually have a help center and they have an email list. Half of the time it feels like it's written by teenage monkeys, but when there is something big, they will confirm it. A lot of the time they roll out stuff, they don't confirm it. It just happens. You wake up, ads measure looks different. You got to figure it out on your own. But when there's something big like this update, they actually sent out a series of emails, not just about what it meant, but what we needed to do. So go into the wormhole. Um, it's called facebook.com forward slash business. And you'll see a plethora of resources in there, including a blueprint course where you can get familiar with stuff. Um, and if you Google, you know, how do I create, what do I do with iOS update? They have a resource center that again, can be a bit tricky to decipher, but it's a great starting point. The last resource I'll give you is actually on our website, which please forgive it. It's a little bit of a mess while we, while we rebuild it, but there is a strategy page in there and we've built a wheel of the six things that we believe every, everybody should do in marketing, which can kind of help take a bit of the noise out of where you should be spending your time. And it starts off with three steps. So understand your customer, understand how to talk to them, all that stuff we've talked about. And then you start off with organic and then you create a web page that's going to convert. And then you create an ad strategy that's driving traffic to both those things. Make sure it converts, have your conversion tools in place, email marketing and PR, and each one feeds the next. So if you don't know where to start, those six steps can be really helpful. Okay, awesome. And I'll pop those links into the show notes as, as a big picture. If you could only play one song every time you walk into the room for the rest of your life, what would that song be? Man, I needed some pre preparation for this. Look, I'm going to be a bit weird with this one, but I'm going to go with something like, you know, the Rocky theme song or This Is My Fight song, because I had an epiphany this year that if you don't 
truly believe you can change the world while you're trying. Like if you don't genuinely believe that, like genuinely believe that you can be a global success and all these things that you put in the back of your head is, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Stop trying. So I'm really working on believing that I can change the world. And when you're a world changer, I feel like the Rocky theme song should follow you around. Awesome. I love that. And it ties back into, you know, when when we first opened up the conversation here today and you spoke about impact. Sorry, I'm talking too much, but let me say this last thing. I think the ability to have impact is something in business that people really downplay. Like they think, oh, I just sell dresses or I'm just a plumber or I'm just this. And I know I told myself that I went to an award ceremony. I thought, oh, here's all of these social enterprises feeding homeless orphans with leftover bread. And I'm just a flopping ads manager or whatever I was at that time. And I would just, anyone who's listening who feels a bit defeated or burned out, no matter what you do, you have the ability to create impact above and beyond what you can imagine right now. And I I wish somebody slapped me in the face and told me that last year. Uh, Absolutely. And that's one of my mantras too is that, you know, I want to make a bigger impact. Um, You know, the the message that I've got, the words that I say, the strategies that I use or the tools, you know, people need that. And so I need to keep getting up and doing what I do and and keep showing up. And sometimes there's, there's, you'll sit there and, and you doubt yourself and you doubt what you do and you think, oh, you know, no one's listening or I'm not, you know, I'm not making an impact on anyone, but you but you are. Mm-hmm. And it just shows, you know, you've, you've got to keep moving forward and you don't wait for your ducks to be in the road. Just get out there and, and start. You can't see impact. There's no way to measure it. You can never see a planted seed or, or the way you've impacted somebody. That's right. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today. For people wanting to work with you, what is the best way they can get in contact with you? Probably through good old Ipstar. You can find me at Olive Lee Social or The Bell Evolution, whichever way. I spend a bit of time on both. So slip into my DMs and say hey. Okay, Jess, thank you so much. Wow, so much gold right there. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. Get in touch via Instagram, Sharon underscore Cliff, or my website, SharonCliff.com.au. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share on socials, make sure you tag me in, or leave a review. The Sharon Cliff Podcast, helping you build a business and a life that you love without burning out. Have an awesome week, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.